If you have your Bible, uh, we're going to be going to Acts chapter 8 this morning, a story that might be familiar to you. It's the story of uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, an example of sharing the gospel. Speaking of the gospel, I have noticed over the last few years that the best sermons that I preach, according to you guys, not according to me, I think the best ones are usually the longest ones, but you guys have given me feedback that says, man, that sermon was excellent. And I try to figure out why, or what the common thread is with like a sermon that you really liked versus a sermon that you're like, ah, I don't really know. But the sermons that I've gotten the most positive feedback in this congregation are ones that are just about Jesus. They're the Jesus ones, the ones that tell the story, the old, old story of Jesus and his love. When we were in Revelation, you guys loved when we were in Revelation 4 and 5, the enthronement of the Lamb on the throne of God, the Ancient of Days. You're like, that sermon was amazing. And I, I, I probably said, yeah, it was. But the truth is, the text was amazing. Revelation 4 is amazing. If I preach out of Romans 8, you guys say, that sermon was amazing. And I could try to take credit for it and say, yeah, it was, wasn't it? But the truth is, the text was amazing. Romans 8, nothing can separate us. In all of creation from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We hear that and we go, oh, it's just so true. That's the gospel right there. I could give more and more examples. But I have noticed that the best sermons are the ones that are about gospel. That just tell the story of Jesus. This morning, I kind of just want to give you a little fall preview of where we're going to be going in the sermon series and uh, class that's starting and some other opportunities for our church to gather together and encourage each other. Hopefully, I won't be talking for very long, but it has to do with the old, old story. We sang that song just now. I love to tell the story. We said 11 times in the song, I love to tell the story of Jesus and his love. Two things about that song. One, I started to realize that song is a song about how much we love our faith, how much we love the story of Jesus. But if you go back and pay attention to the lyrics, it doesn't actually tell the story of Jesus. You might be thinking, wait a minute, the whole it's called I Love to Tell the Story. It references the story, it elevates the story, it talks about what it means to me, it satisfies my longing, and there's a little bit about what the story actually is. Something about Jesus, something about his love, something about salvation. The reason I wanted us to sing that song as we launch into what's going to happen this fall is because I think that's a good representation of how we can feel when we leave church sometimes. We love to tell the story of Jesus in church. Maybe a version of the song that's a little bit more honest for where some of us are at would be, I love to hear the story. I love hearing the story. That's my favorite sermon is the one about Jesus and his love. Some of us, if we were honest, we'd sing a song that goes, I used to tell the story of Jesus and his love. I had a method, I had a strategy, I had an approach of how I was going to help Bring people who never heard the gospel to Jesus. Now we sing, I love to tell the story. I think we still have a love for that story, but maybe we don't tell it as readily or as often. Maybe it's because, like the, the hymn itself, 
we know the story and we, can, we know about the story and we can reference the story and maybe even if pressed, we could tell parts of the story or a lot of the details of the story, but maybe I think uh, we're out of practice. I try never to say we, referring to our congregation, unless I'm referring to myself as well. And I am referring to myself now. I tell the story a lot from here. I don't tell it as often as I'd like to in my interactions with people. Um, one more illustration. Lisa and I were in Memphis, and this group of students got sent to do mission work in Panama. And we knew this was a big trip, they'd done fundraisers, they were going to go and like, do some good works in the name of Jesus in Panama. So Lisa and I weren't able to go, but we, when students came back, we were excited to hear about it. And we asked this one, one particular student, this, this stands out because we reference this a lot. Um, we said, how was the mission trip? And he said, oh, oh man, it was, it was, I can't even describe it. Wow, that sounds like amazing. Can you tell us, you know, what you do? What were, what were the details? So give us a story from Panama. And he just was like, I, it was, I, I can't even put it into words. And we're like, okay, yeah, like we got that part. It sounds like it was impactful. It sounds like it was meaningful, but we want to know how. Tell us the story of Panama. We did not get any information about that trip from this one student. It seemed like it was so meaningful to him that he was still just kind of processing it, figuring it out. But when we would press him for details, like, where did the plane land? Where did you stay? How did you spend your hours? He couldn't find the words for it. And I wonder if sometimes that's how we are with the gospel. It is meaningful to us. It has changed our lives. We experience it. We could, uh, but if only we could get the words to describe what's going on in our hearts when it comes to Jesus, that maybe is where one of the obstacles lies. I know that this congregation has a heart for sharing the gospel of Jesus. And I do too. I've heard many, many stories of folks say, I want all my kids to come to church again. I want them to read the Bible. I want them to trust in God. I want their faith to grow. And I can name people in my life too who I want that for as well because it means so much to me. Because it's changed my life in so many ways. I want to share that. I want to extend that. I want to invite people to experience that. But man, we've tried some things. And maybe they haven't worked. Maybe we can't get people in the building. Maybe we can't get the right environment where we can you know, just sit someone down and just share the gospel message. Or like I mentioned last week, when it comes to you know, evangelism, and churches have trained people on like, you're with somebody, this is what you got to say. And then they say this, and you say this. Now it feels like, oh, like a, uh, a telemarketing script. <laughs> keep them on the phone, keep them talking. you got to get them to faith in Christ. The point is, sometimes we are just kind of at a loss. And that pressure, this desire, but not being able to find the words or the opportunity or being discouraged because we've tried and failed or we just kind of let ourselves off the hook and say, yeah, somebody else will tell them the old, old story of Jesus and his love. I've heard that. I've been at this church for a while, and I keep hearing that. People saying, if only we could do this together. If only we could be more intentional about proclaiming the gospel, announcing the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection, the forgiveness of sins, the hope of eternal life that we share, that we sing about, that we understand. 
the old, old story that we love to hear, we want to be able to tell that. I've heard that, and I share that desire. So we're not going to solve everything or get you from nothing to, to uh, 60 miles an hour in one season. But here's what I'm trying to do. Here's what I'm planning to do this fall, and I really hope that you're excited about this, and I really hope that you'll come along for the journey with me. Um, actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> I'll get to that in a moment. Actually, okay. I'm, I'm like that kid who went to Panama now. I don't have the right words. We're going to do three things. I'll say briefly what they are, then we'll go to Acts 8, then I'll talk a little bit more about it, and then you'll eventually get to lunch. Uh, this sermon series is called The Gospel Plus. If part of the problem is us having been out of practice articulating the gospel, we're going to articulate. We're going to say not just what it is, we're going to talk and teach about how to describe it. And not just, you may say, like, I already know what that is, and that's good. Um, but we're going to focus specifically on the what, understanding the gospel, not just the details and getting it right, but also, like, what impact does it have on my life, and how if I truly understood that and took that into every interaction I had with somebody, how naturally it would flow out of me. We're going to talk about that. So this up front, we're going to be talking about the gospel plus. You guys are going to say, Jacob, that's the best sermon you've ever preached. And I'm going to say, just because I'm talking about the gospel, it's the text. It's Jesus and not me. That's the first thing. The second thing is an evangelism class. Uh, uh, us gathering together before worship on Sunday morning, starting next week, here at the church at 9.30. And we're going to just be sharing and listening to some techniques, some tools uh, for sharing the gospel. The person I mentioned last week who came and did some training for Bay Area leaders, we gave you guys a little taste of what we had heard last week. We're going to kind of dive deeper into that material. Someone who is a professional who does this constantly, whose goal is to plant churches and find lost people. That's, that's a term that Jesus used. People who don't know Christ, people who don't worship are lost. Seeking the lost, uh, you know, highly intriguing, going afar upon the mountain and all that stuff. Sunday morning class is sort of the headline there. Uh, and the third thing is just some gatherings that we have scheduled, but I will talk about those in a minute. Let's let Jacob get out of the way and let's listen to the text. Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. This story is wonderful. <clears throat> This is after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. This is sort of like the beginning of the church, how the gospel, the good news about Jesus, spread. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. He was on his way home. He was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. What Lisa read for us, or a different passage, but the same prophet. And the Spirit, capital S, God's Holy Spirit, told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. And so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. 
Now this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is this prophet talking about? Himself? Is he talking about someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Give a little head nod if you've heard that story before. Lots of cool things going on here. One thing that stands out to me as we begin to think about the gospel Begin to think about our role in sharing the gospel, our responsibility as disciples to help God's Spirit make more disciples, is the section where he says, Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Here's what I wonder, and it doesn't tell us what he actually said. What did Philip say to him? He told him the good news. He began with Isaiah, this prophet, talking about Jesus, the, the lamb that was slain, foreshadowing the cross. This had already happened. Jesus was killed. The tomb was empty. People tried to figure out what happened. Then Jesus appeared and said, here's what happened. I conquered the grave. I resurrected. I'm the first fruit. You're going to do this someday, too. And then he left. Everybody went, what do we do now? Well, tell people about that. Tell what happened. Tell what we know. What I wonder about this encounter with Philip and the Ethiopian is how long did it take Philip to tell him the good news of Jesus? For years, I thought, man, he probably talked and talked and talked and talked. Maybe I'm just projecting here because that's what I do. Um, but in my mind, this is Philip, someone who had walked and talked with Jesus. He was familiar with the scriptures of Isaiah, so he knew the prophet and how it connected with the resurrection of Jesus. And maybe he filled in the history and the whole silent period from the time when the prophet stopped prophesying until the, the birth and the ministry of Jesus. And maybe he knew all of that. Maybe he told all the parables of Jesus. Maybe he told all of the Sermon on the Mount. He had maybe a you know, photographic memory and he could tell all these things. And by the end of it, this Ethiopian eunuch was overwhelmed and just went like, well, that's a lot of evidence. That's a great case that you've built over the last three and a half hours. I'm going to get baptized. That was my assumption. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say how long, how much he told this man about Jesus. Instead, it just says he told good news about Jesus. He may have just said, yeah, that's about Jesus. He was crucified. He was raised. He's God. And we're following him. Do you want to follow him too? It could have been that simple. When you read the book of Acts, you might think that the main character in the book is Paul, because there's a lot about Paul. Or you might think it's uh, Peter, the apostles, because they're in the front part of the book. You might think, no, no, no. The main character of Acts has to be, what's the Sunday school answer? It starts with a J. Jesus. Maybe Jesus is the main character of the book of Acts. I think the main character in Acts is the capital S Spirit, God's Holy Spirit. 
That's the one who led him to bind uh, this, this man who's reading a scroll. Maybe he gave him the words to speak. This is just a simple reminder. I often, as I tend to do, overdo things, overthink things and say, I've got to have a three and a half hour conversation on that chariot. I've got to do all the Old Testament. I've got to fill in everything, 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 everything about Jesus. I've got to convince somebody. I've got to get them into a Bible study. I've got to get their life changes on me. This is what I'm going to do, just like Philip did. It doesn't say that. It said he told them the good news. God's spirit was at work. Maybe that's all it takes. It's just to tell the old, old story. It doesn't even have to be the whole story. Tell what you know. Tell why you love Jesus. This story inspires me. I want to follow the Spirit's leading the way that Philip did. I want to open my mouth and I want to be a witness for the way Jesus has changed my life. For this event that happened, this resurrection that I believe is true and changed the world. And I think if, if that's our mission, if that's what we do, then more and more people will respond. Spirit is doing way more than we are. I don't have to be responsible for all of it. So back to where we're going this fall. Uh, let me talk it up here. We're going to be hearing more of the texts that inspire us, that help us understand what the gospel is, how the gospel impacted early Christians, and how it should and can and does impact our lives today. We're going to read some Jesus texts. We're going to read some uh, texts from Acts and Paul and the early church. We're also going to be connecting the gospel to our lives in very practical ways. So I'm excited for that. I hope that you're here every week. If you're not here every week, then you're here and tuning in every week. And then the other thing I mentioned was just a gathering of people who want to get together and say, all right, let's try it. Here's, here's an evangelism tip or tool. We're all going to commit to going out and doing this, and we're going to show up next week, and we're going to talk about how well it went, or how poorly it went, or how I totally forgot to do it, but we're going to do it together and encourage each other and help each other be accountable to what is written on the wall over here that Michaela read for us last week. 